here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rat Fantasy Football Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott are back here in the the final week of the NFL season. Uh, we're going to do a little review of our draft slash reality of NFL running backs for fantasy football for the 2021 season. Uh, how close we were, how far apart we were, some names that came out of the woodwork that nobody was expecting. Uh, and then we'll also look to yeah, maybe talk about the big game, um, who we like, you know, any, uh, if you're into uh, wagering for uh, entertainment purposes only, if there's any uh, propositions out there based on coin tosses or national anthem lengths or, or you know, halftime <laughs> show naked people or, or however you want to look at it. You know, we'll, we'll definitely we'll, we'll touch base and all that. Um, how was your your week, Pat? Uh, anything crazy happen, or or did you did you hunker down and enjoy a, another riveting Pro Bowl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't watch the Pro Bowl. Just uh, as much of a football fan as I am, I can't I can't stomach that flag football game. Uh, I honestly wish they would just make it flag football at this point because look, I, we get it. Nobody wants to get hurt. You know, nobody's tackling. You, in real life. So like, why are we, why are we putting pads on and pretending that this is a real football game when it's not, I really enjoyed the skills competition. I like seeing, you know, the players kind of do things that are a little bit outside of actual, you know, between the numbers. But when it comes to the actual pro bowl game, it it's, it's literally a, it's a joke. It's just, it, I've peewee football is more entertaining than watching the pro bowl game, honestly. Yeah. I, I kind of think that there's uh the, you know, the, the truth to that it's for all your, for all your sports, there's nothing tangible to get from it. And then the, the entertainment portion, like, okay, the other three sports do it right in the middle of the season, uh, you know, basketball, baseball and, and hockey, uh, they get voted in and there's just, again, entertainment. I think the NBA has gotten a little better, uh, so it didn't turn into those like 200 plus point games and, and made it slightly competitive. I think baseball had the closest when they awarded the home field advantage for the World Series to the league that won. There was a little bit of something there. I think the only thing that would get it going is making it mandatory technically, too, because you get a lot of people that bow out, you know, Super Bowl and all that. But at the same time, it's I mean, the only way you're going to get these guys to run around and really you know, kick ass and take names is if you said, Hey, look, if you lead your position in stats, you know, sacks, tackles, interceptions, rushing yards, something, you get a $10 million bonus. Like that's the only <laughs> thing that's going to, and no offense, I don't blame them. I mean, they play for money anyway. I think one of the only things that would get them really like rooting tooting would be, you know, knowing, Hey, I'm going to take everybody's head off. I want that 10 million, like, or, or something to, to make it worthwhile. I mean, it was always, always neat when we were kids, they really did go to, Oahu and they, you know, in Hawaii, it was, it was a cool thing. Uh, I, you and I, I think we were there when, you know, when we went to Hawaii that one time back in the day with, with some family and friends that uh, the one restaurant over there actually had a bunch of signed footballs and, and mm -hmm. Wheaties boxes and everything. Cause yeah, there, every year it's a lot of the same people went and it was their vacation and stuff like that. Uh, our college still goes there for the hula bowl. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it's just, 
It is. It, it's it's kind of silly. I mean, how many times did you see on Twitter that Sean Taylor taking off? Uh, <laughs> was it Brian Warman? I think the punter took his head off. You know, on, on a sneak. Like, I think it, I think it was Rob Johnson. I, I want to say I, I could be wrong, but yeah. It, that, that's that's the that's like what makes something neat and then people turn around and look at him like man you're crazy what are you doing it's pro ball you ain't supposed to be hitting him like that right you know but at the end of the day yeah it, it is um if you're a little kid it's probably cool you know if you're if you're just getting into football and like you just want to eat sleep and breathe football yeah. like yeah pro bowl's neat but like you say for um for, for the for the grown-ups or or again for you know for your diehard but, football fans guys who actually watch the game because they enjoy the competitive nature of it it's it's not competitive it's no no it's like no. seven on seven that. drills basically like nobody's tackling mm, anybody yeah. like gentlemen's agreements hey man i'm not gonna mm-hmm. hurt you don't hurt me like you know i'm <laughs> and again they, they do it after a very long physical season that's right. their hard part too is that compared to the other three sports i think maybe give hockey a little bit of a, a an edge there but yeah physicality throughout the year some of them guys don't make it and, and again they've even bowed out not because of super bowl eligibilities but just because the toll on their bodies through the year has been uh, been a bit too much, so they, they're trying to trying to dial that back. It, you know, it's a shame. I like to say it's, it's almost like a wasted week, but yeah, I feel like they should just do the skills competition and leave it at that. Or even if you're going to play a game, play just literally make it a flag football game. Don't don't put the pads on. Just have these guys go out and and play flag football. Like it just I, I don't know or some I don't know. I, I I don't necessarily have a fix for it. I just know that the game itself to me personally is not enjoyable and I don't, I didn't watch it and I don't watch it and I probably won't ever watch it because it's not, to me, it's not real football. It's just, it's a, it's a bunch of stars in the same place, which like you said, for little kids, that might be cool. But mm-hmm. at this point, you know, I, I have better things to do on a Sunday afternoon than, than watch that personally. Yeah, man, I guess we'll, uh, we're going to dive into how uh, how great we were picking running backs. We reviewed everything <laughs> else. We went over uh, tight ends, quarterbacks. We did wide receivers, and we're getting down to the the meat and potatoes of fantasy football. Uh, the guys that pretty much will win you a league, you know, based on who you draft and and where they finish, or somebody comes out of like we said, comes out of nowhere and and just takes over a a season or, or a stretch down the run down the road there to to win you a title. A lot of strange things happen this year, obviously. Uh, the big word is injuries. Uh, we saw King Henry go down and kind of, you know, deflate Tennessee, and yet he still ended up being one of the top rushers in the league. Just goes to show you how good he is. Uh, another year, another Christian McCaffrey injury ending his season. Uh, you had a lot of your big name guys: Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon missed a game or two. Kamara was out. Uh, you know, across the board, a lot of these guys. You could see it, it's it's a long season, and whether it's by committee or not, uh, it only takes a, a little bit to see the wear and tear hit these guys the hardest because they're usually in the trenches. Some of them, you know, make plays out of the backfield to give them that dual threat. But there weren't a lot of people that avoided that injury bug. And, and again, some of that contributed to these finishes. Yeah. And, and to be honest, we we didn't actually do too bad at running back. We We missed pretty bad on a few guys coming in. But I think that for the most part, everybody messed on those guys because of, you know, like you said, injury situations or, you know, maybe some unclear uh, situations on how many carries certain guys were going to get or, or whatever. But for the most part, you know, looking at the draft chart that we have with all of our players on it, there's a lot of green. I mean, a lot of guys we were within, you know, four or five spots of where they actually finished on a points per game basis. So uh, I'm actually 
kind of impressed at how well we did on the running backs, but what we're going to do today is hit some of the guys that we missed on. And like we said in, in previous episodes with our review, we do this in order to see where we missed, why we missed, and maybe what we could potentially look for in the future to clean up some of these misses and, and maybe get a little bit more accurate on our rankings in the preseason. Now, obviously, injury is going to derail a lot of you know preseason rankings. So that just is what it is. That's going to happen, especially at the running back position. That's going to happen every year. But if we can, you know, maybe get a clearer picture on, uh, you know, some of these situations, like the first guy we're going to talk about here, there's, there was a chance that we could have been a little bit higher on him and, and maybe been a little bit closer on our ranking of him. So let's jump into it first with Leonard Fournette. He finished as the running back five overall also the running back five on a points per game basis. He was drafted at the 707. I had him ranked at 39. You had him ranked at 43. And conversely, uh, because this is going to probably be part of your talking point as well, I know it's going to be part of mine. Uh, I had Ronald Jones ranked at 30, and you actually had him at 28. So I think by looking at those numbers and, and where we had them ranked coming into the season, I think you and I both thought that it was going to be a split backfield. And I know for me personally, we were obviously way off in that. That's, you know, that, that call Fournette led one of the best offenses in football in rush attempts. And that obviously is what propelled him to his RB five finish. Even if Fournette would get the bulk of the carries, I expected Jones to get some, I expected Gio Bernard to sort of take on that James white role that Tom Brady loves. And, kind of steal a lot of receptions from Fournette, but that wasn't the case this year. Fournette ended the regular season with 84 targets and 69 receptions. Both of those were good for third at the running back position in the NFL. And like I said, he led the team in carries as well. So, you know, obviously with the Bucks offense being as good as it was this year, there's a lot of top flight fantasy finishers on that team. It was bound to produce fantasy you know, producers at, at a high level being the fact that they were the second highest scoring team in the league and have Tom Brady, a quarterback, you know, a lot of uh, offensive weapons obviously coming into the season. So I think if, if we had a little bit more assurance that Fournette was going to be the main guy and that, uh, you know, Bernard wasn't going to sort of steal third down work from him, which is, you know, like I said, what I personally thought coming into the season was going to happen. I think I would have had him ranked a little bit higher. I definitely would not have had him ranked at five. I just didn't think that he still had that kind of season in him, but I do think that I probably would have had him ranked somewhere around, you know, the top 12 or 13 or so rather than 39 where I had him. So what was your, uh, what was your take on Fournette coming into the year? I think a lot of it had to do with a little bit maybe of like a changing of the guard and, and things of that nature where, like you said, that you had, you know, Ronald Jones there and and even towards the end of the year with the injuries, you saw that they were starting to play like Keyshawn Vaughn with, with Fournette's uh, unfortunate being a little bit banged up. I mean, he started the season okay. Uh, you know, the week three loss to LA, he was kind of involved a little bit and then started to really pick up the pace uh, and then got banged up a little bit and then had a monster game against Indy, you know, four touchdowns. A couple of those, I think, that really like boosted him. Uh, he had a 46-point game there in our league of record, 25 against Buffalo, 30 against Philly, 21 against Miami. 
I mean, if you take a little bit of that out of the equation, it may factor factor down uh, a, a, a tiny bit, I, I guess, so to speak. Uh, he did he did a lot. Like you can see, where, where Brady did a lot of check down this year, uh, especially on the back end of the season again, where he lost some some players. Like Godwin went out, Evans wasn't a hundred percent. Gronk was getting covered pretty hard. So you know, you see where the last few games that he played during the regular season, he played up to week fifteen, then they shut him down. But after the bye week, he had receptions of eight, six, seven, seven, four, and seven. So he was getting utilized big time as that, as well as the running game. And, you know, obviously Brady being that guy that's just deadly, that you're you're worried about what he's doing with the football, gave him that opportunity. And, and they just weren't as sold as I guess we were on Ronald Jones, maybe taking that next step to be the guy that they drafted him to be. Uh, now they they could look elsewhere for running back this season uh you know as far as as fournette goes but i i was i wasn't as high on him i i kind of felt like they were going to maybe phase him out a little bit and, and give the give the ball to the kid and that just that just didn't really happen it was it was his ball his time and and he did a lot to carry them at, at certain junctures of the season so yeah seeing fournette uh, finish as strong as he did and you and i had him both pegged you know, outside the top 35 um, <laughs> kind of, you know, goes to show that, you know, we were pretty close on a lot, but we, we had no shot with that one. Next guy we're going to talk about is James Connor finished as the RB six overall RB nine on a points per game basis. He was also drafted fairly late. Eight Oh eight was his average draft position. Again, we both had him in the thirties. I had him at 33. You had him at 36. And like Fournette, I think we both kind of thought that, Chase Edmonds was going to be the lead back there. Maybe Connor mixed in on short yardage, goal line situations, things like that. But right from the first game, it was clear that Connor had a bigger role in this offense than we had expected. He led Arizona in rush attempts, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns. He did trail Edmonds in targets 53 to 39. But amazingly, he caught 37 of those 39 targets this season and added another 375 yards and three more touchdowns through the air. Uh, Connor scored more fantasy points this season than he did in his breakout season of 2018. And if you remember going into the 2019 season, James Connor was a, a, you know, back of the first round draft pick. Everybody was, you know, they, they saw him as, you know, maybe the next Lev Bell uh, after he left Pittsburgh and, you know, again, injury and, you know, just the, the Steelers not being great offensively that year sort of led to a decline in Connor's production. But I think he showed this year that he's still, I mean, he's still a young guy. I believe he's 26 years old. He's, you know, he's not one of these old running backs who has a lot of wear and tear on him. He did have a little bit of, of injury history here and there, but at the running back position, there are very, very few guys that don't have some sort of injury history. So I don't really hold that against running backs too much. You kind of know going into the season that when you draft a, a running back, there's always the potential that they're going to be hurt, which is why, you know, backup running backs and handcuffs are, are, you know, so important in fantasy football. I think Connor still has the potential to be top 10 fantasy running back. He's got the skill set. Obviously he showed that this year. He still looked like he had a lot of speed, a lot of bursts, a lot of power, um, breaking tackles. So for me, I think if he comes back to Arizona or if he ends up going somewhere with, you know, even a, a just a strong offense where they're they're actually going to score points, I think 
Connor has the potential of being a, a you know another top ten, top fifteen running back coming into next season. How about you? Yeah, again, I, I'm looking at him in Pittsburgh with the injuries. Kind of looked a little bit washed. Um, obviously, that whole squad was was heading that direction with Big Ben and, and you know Juju being hurt and stuff. But yes, his breakout came and basically had just filled in nicely for the fact that uh, you know bell wasn't there and then it's another case of pittsburgh being able to plug a player in and yeah he he really did excel and then again with the injuries it just looked like maybe he was going to lose a step but they weren't looking to use him in arizona it looks like as the you know a bell cow type of running back and yet playing off of edmonds uh, a little lightning thunder, so to speak. But then Edmonds, you know, he had a little bit of an issue injuries and, and things like that throughout the season where, yeah, I mean, James Conner was just like one of those quiet killers, like week after week, just piling up stats. Uh, like you say, the touchdowns were huge for him. So you, you would expect to see maybe some regression moving forward next season, uh, you know, with 15 touchdowns, that's a lot of, of points scored fantasy wise just via the six point touchdown uh he had three receiving touchdowns as well so i mean that that would put him you know maybe outside that top five a little bit if you'd shaved those touchdowns down to half arizona moving forward again there was a little something today saying that kyler murray um not deleted but it took down all the arizona stuff off of his instagram which uh, i guess you know is signs of trouble for for kids these days i don't know i'm, I'm not a an Instagrammer, but, um, you know, I think they all played off of each other pretty well, Murray and Connor. And, and again, that team just fell apart once DeAndre Hopkins left and, and there weren't a lot of options for them as a whole. Uh, but moving forward, I think next year, Connor should have a, a pretty good shot with them to, to be a successful. Uh, but again, that touchdown regression, you know, 15, uh, you would think maybe some of that gets chopped in half, especially if people expect him to be that, the ground and pound guy. Plus, if they get the wide receiving core back in gear in the passing game, might be a little less likely to need to grind it in from inside the 20, make a few more big plays, which we were talking about a lot first four weeks of the season. Yeah, he uh, he's a free agent this year, so there's no guarantee that he would be back with, with Arizona next year. But Chase Edmonds is also a free agent, so depending on what Arizona is looking to do, if they feel like they still have a, a window to, to win, which, I mean, they, they're not in danger of being over the salary cap or anything like that. So I think there's a, a pretty good shot that they could bring a pretty good chunk of this team back and, and make another run at it. I do think that they were uh, obviously a lot better. We talked about this a little bit last week, but they were a lot better when DeAndre Hopkins was in the lineup, which is understandable. So I think that uh, if Connor comes back and especially if he's the only guy, if, if they don't resign Chase Edmonds as well. And Connor going into the season seems like he's going to be sort of the, the bell cow running back in, in that offense. Uh, I, I might have him honestly inside my top 12 next year. So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's get into Elijah Mitchell. He finished as the running back 25 running back 13 on a points per game basis. Uh, I do not have his draft position because he was, not drafted really in, in many leagues. And I looked it up earlier and it was, and he was like running back like 87 or something like that. Undrafted in most leagues for, for good reason. He was fourth or fifth on the depth chart coming into the season. You know, obviously, you know, people thought Raheem Mostert, you know, we had Mostert ranked fairly high 
But then there was a whole slew of other running backs that, you know, we had heard of, you know, the 49ers spent a, a little bit more draft capital on Trey Sermon. They still had Jeff Wilson, you know, so it was one of those things where Elijah Mitchell was kind of not really thought about coming into the season. But once he finally got his hands on the ball and showed what he could do, I think that uh, the 49ers coaching staff was like, uh, yeah, I think we got to keep giving this guy the ball because he's he's really good. And and. You know, Kyle Shanahan's always been really good at evaluating running back talent and uh, finding guys that fit his run scheme and, and guys that will do well in that, that scheme. And I think Elijah Mitchell is just that guy. Now, I don't know coming into or, you know, going into next year, if he's still going to be the guy, he's probably, for me, at, you know, going over the the rankings, looking ahead to next season, he's the hardest guy for me to predict where he's going to be. He had such a good season that, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers sort of stuck with him as their main guy. Raheem Mostert is a free agent this year. So there's a good chance. And then he's older. I believe he's 30 years old at this point. So there's a good chance that he doesn't get re-signed in San Francisco. But like I said, we still have Trey Sermon, uh, who was drafted in uh, the third round, I believe. And it's just, I mean, the coming into next season is Sermon going to, you know, work hard, prove that he can be the guy and be given an opportunity. I don't know. Is Mitchell going to be the guy who, you know, did it last year and showed that he could. So the coaching staff sticks with him. I don't know. So it's definitely going to be one of those things where we have to pay attention come, you know, July training camp, see who's running with the ones, see how many carries these guys are getting even into the preseason. And I think Mitchell is going to be one of those guys who either drastically moves up or down our, our rankings next year coming into the preseason. Like you said, Kyle Shanahan, he can be a little frustrating sometimes as a as a head coach, uh, you know, play caller. But uh, going back to even Atlanta, he got Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman uh, as like a one-two punch in that backfield, and got pretty far. I mean, got to a got to a Super Bowl and woulda, shoulda, coulda. Uh, but you know, then it turned into trying to pass the ball and not kill the clock. We won't get into that. <laughs> but I'm seeing what they do. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, you're up, what, 28 to three, and, and you're just, you, instead of just running that clock down, you just were trying to show off. So you, you pay for what you get. Um, now, looking at San Francisco and, yes, how they utilize the running game, at, even to this point where you saw how many Debo Samuel ran for three, almost 350 yards, I think. They, they do love to run that football. And being able to plug and play almost anyone into that scheme, I mean, the last time you saw stuff like that was – I think it was like the Denver Broncos where they had, you know, obviously Terrell Davis and then just kept plugging in players. Year, Mike Anderson, year after year, just kept putting run backs. And it was the blocking schemes and the play calling. And obviously the game's a lot more wide open than it was there late 90s, like early 2000s. Uh, seeing a player like him come out of nowhere, so to speak, and blow past uh, Trey Sermon. He was another one who was in the doghouse right at the beginning of the season. Him and Brandon Ayuk were fighting over the bone. They were roommates. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, seeing seeing somebody like him just kind of come out of the blue and, and be that dominant, so to speak, at times and, and finish, um, obviously, in, in the top 25 overall and, and on a points per game level uh, in the top 15, definitely looking at, at bigger and better things to come. Now, that offense is going to change a little bit. The, the Niners offensive coordinator just got the head coaching job with the Miami Dolphins. So it'll be interesting to see how some dominoes fall on that team. And obviously, Jimmy G moving on, it, it sounds like it's almost 100% locked. 
which means Trey Lance will take the helm. Whether or not any of those players that that are involved in the running game seed carries and, and some of the goal line work or, or things like that to to Trey Lance, who's had a little bit more of a dual threat guy. He can run, he can pass. That's one of the reasons they drafted him to be that uh, next generation quarterback, uh, a la like a Lamar Jackson, so to speak, or a Pat Mahomes. So yeah, Mitchell looking good next year, but you know, give it some time. We're, we'll we'll see him high on mock drafts, and then see what happens when you get into the the preseason. Another guy unranked by both of us, uh, but who finished very high this year was Cordero Patterson. He finished as the running back nine on an overall points basis, running back eighteen in points per game. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you jump in first on Patterson here. For years, Cordero Patterson was the it guy. Um, uh, back in the day with with Minnesota, uh, you know, everybody expected him to become just this next level player. That's all you ever heard about, and it, it just never seemed to come to fruition. You you never saw him do much. And again, it was more of a wide receiver concept, or or he was a little a little bit of a, a, a gadget guy, or, or you know, however you you want to look at it. And and seeing through the years, him bounce around from from team to team and, uh, you know, Vikings, he went to the Raiders, Patriots couldn't get anything out of him. The Bears, he showed a little bit of a sign of life uh, on that level. Most players, <laughs> what's that? Just as a punt returner, basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it's, it's that was always his thing is that he was a special teamer and could never quite get over the hump uh, career-wise to see them utilize him in a much more effective way out of the backfield. Mind you, they, they had signed Mike Davis to be their lead running back. That was almost a given for them that he was going to be that guy. To see somebody finally figure that, hey, we, we know what to do with him. We're just going to find different ways to get him the football and make him into what he turned into this season. It's kind of crazy. I, I mean, yeah, to see, you know, he's had years, his first two years, he had 77, 67 targets. He couldn't catch the football. Granted, it depends on who was throwing it to him, too. You got Matt Ryan, who's a seasoned vet, and he's, you know, he's he's definitely, you know, a year or two away from probably being done with football, but but he knows how to make people get open, how to find, you know, get them in space and 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 look to utilize their talents. I, I was just amazed, you know, that he just came out of the blue and then just started crushing fantasy. He did fall off a little bit because that offense started to lag a little bit near the end of the season. And it was pretty obvious that the game plan was centered around him and kind of like Kyle Pitts, uh, Calvin Ridley going out really kind of helped push him into that next level uh, for a little bit. But I mean, his first four weeks, you know, against the Eagles, they didn't do much. You only had eight points, but then you put up 23, 16, 34, 18, go into the bye week and you come out strong again, 14, 18, 21, then you saw a little hitch in the giddy up. I think it was a little banged up, probably getting more usage than he ever had. And a monster game against Jacksonville and then kind of wound down the season as as did the Falcons. Um, you know, I think he's there on a one-year deal. Yeah, it was one year, $3 million. So obviously he just played himself into a nice two to three-year deal, possibly re-upping with Atlanta uh, or somebody else. It'll be interesting to see where he lands as far as that goes. If he comes, if he stays there, he's obviously in a good spot. Uh, from a fantasy relevant point and at the same time yes if it goes to a team that he's important and not just uh you know goes to Miami and he's one of 20 running backs that they have or, or something like that 
and, and gets utilized in the proper form. Uh, you could see him make a trip back to New England, uh, you know, something along those lines. Always, Bill's always keeping an eye out for talent, you know, and, and different teams. And, and again, like at Tampa Bay, if Fournette fades and, and, and stuff like that. So wherever he lands, if he stays in Atlanta or not, he's definitely going to be in that top 15 category probably next year for for running backs based on just the dual usage and, and being all over the field. I think he is one of those guys where, you know, depending, like you said, depending on where he lands is going to really dictate a lot of his value coming into next season, mostly because in order for him to sort of repeat what he did this year, he's going to have to get some touches. He's not going to be able to go somewhere and be the, the you know, the number one running back. I don't think he's a, that, you know, that kind of guy, he's not going to uh, a 15 to 18 carry a game type of guy, mm-hmm. but he is going to have to go somewhere you know, whether they are able to, you know, maybe run some two running back sets uh, effectively or a place where, you know, maybe the running back that they do have, like, like, for example, you know, we just talked about James Connor, you know, the Connor and Edmonds thing, you know, was sort of a, a split one, two punch type of thing. I think Patterson in an offense with somebody like James Connor, or even conversely, you know, a team signs Patterson and Chase Edmonds, to the same, you know, uh, to the same team. Uh, I think something like that could work because he's not going to be able to be an every down running back. He's not the type of guy that you want to hand the ball off to, you know, each and every play. So I don't think that I'm going to have him ranked very highly next year, uh, at least at this point in time, again, depending on where he lands and, and, you know, if he stays with the Falcons or if he ends up somewhere else, uh, I think I, I could possibly be persuaded to change that opinion, but as of right now, I, I, he strikes me as one of those guys who just had a great season with a team that needed production from somewhere, losing Julio Jones before the season, Calvin Ridley leaving, you know, midway through a rookie tight end who did a great job, but was still a rookie. And then Mike Davis, another aging vet, like there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, playmakers on this team. And that's what he provided for them. He provided big plays. He scored, you know, an awful lot of touchdowns this year. I think he had, I think he had 11 touchdowns total. So uh, I don't see that happening next year with him. That's just my personal opinion. I think that even if he stays in Atlanta, that they're going to to sign a, a full-time running back and, and, or, or, you know, maybe as part of a, a split backfield, but I definitely don't see an uptick. I don't, I don't see him finishing higher than he finished this year. And that was, like I said, running back nine overall and running back 18 on a points per game basis. So I I definitely don't see him being any higher than that. I probably won't have him ranked inside my top 20 next year coming into the season. But again, that could change depending on on where he ends up. All right. So we're going to jump to Melvin Gordon now. He finished as the RB19, RB25 on a points per game basis. His ADP was the 10th pick of the sixth round. I had Melvin Gordon at running back 31. So on a points per game basis, I wasn't too far off there. You had him at 45. And again, we brought up excuse me, the ranking of Ronald Jones when we talked about Leonard Fournette. So we're going to bring up the rankings or our rankings of Javante Williams uh, coming into the preseason. I had Williams at 28 and you had him at 17. So big disparity there for you. It, it, it seems like, you know, you obviously thought Williams was going to take over more work in that backfield. I had it as a little bit more even split, which is basically the way that it turned out. Dead even split. They each had 203 carries. 
Gordon had 918, Williams had 903. Like receptions, 48 for Gordon, 52 for Williams. Uh, averaging 57 yards a game for Gordon and 53 a game for Williams, both at about four and a half yards a carry. Like uh, even fumbles, three to two, Gordon. Like, yeah, it was almost a mirror image no matter, no matter who you plugged in. And, and I don't want to sit here and say, oh, I knew that that was how it was going to be. I, I didn't. I mean, coming into the season, it was definitely not uh, – I was not – did. Don't, don't lie. You knew. I ranked them closely together because I thought that there was a possibility that one guy would possibly be, like I said, you know, more of the – like a 60-40 split. And I truly thought that that would be Javante Williams. That's why I ranked him three spots higher. But – you know, obviously Melvin Gordon still has a lot in the tank. He, he proved it this year. And I think the situation for him particularly was perfect because I think at his age and with the amount of carries that he's already had in his career, I think that, you know, he, he probably couldn't have carried the ball, you know, 350 times or what would they combine for 427 carries or something like that? Um, uh, combined for... 406 carries. Okay, so 406 carries. Now, Derrick Henry was on page. Slightly that, more but... than Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> right, right. So, for me, personally, I, I like I said, I, I kind of hedged on both of them because I thought either guy, you know, Gordon could, could very easily be the guy in the 60-40 split who got more carries because he was the veteran, because he knew the offense better, you know, just because he had already done it. He had already been their lead back. Obviously, Williams had the skill set. You could see that coming out of the draft. He also is younger, probably less likely to be injured. So, you know, the ranking of them for me anyway, being close together was just due to the fact that I really wasn't sure if either one was going to take a lead role. But I did see both of them being involved in, in the offense at some level. I don't think that you pay Gordon the amount of money that you pay him and just you know, draft a, a running back in the second round and say, here you go, bud, you're going to get all the carries. Take a Javante Williams the way they did, and, and a lot of the hype surrounding him and, and Michael Carter as the two big Carolina running backs, a lot of you know breaking tackles and, and yards after contact and all that stuff. And I, I kind of thought that Denver, again, when, when you see something like that where they maybe look to phase somebody out a little bit, by, by drafting the younger player. Now, it looks like what they actually did was motivate him to get into, you know, maybe a better a better situation, so to speak, overall. I think moving forward, they know that they can lean on both guys. Maybe they want to take one more year with both of them. Maybe they would look to, you know, maybe they would look to move Gordon, especially like around draft day, because they're going to be looking into – uh, more than likely a quarterback, you know, obviously uh, that that's a big deal for them. Uh, they, they definitely need that. Gordon's going to be on the, let's double check here. Uh, he is an unrestricted free agent. So yeah, they kind of played their hand pretty well. And a couple of those games where Williams filled in for him. Uh, I think that was the one he had the Sunday night game against Kansas city, where he kind of went wild. He does bring a little bit more to the passing game than not. Uh, so Chances are Williams takes it over as a whole. Maybe they resign Gordon, maybe not. So, yeah, looking at that now, yeah, he'll be 29 and an unrestricted free agent. And there are some teams that are going to need running back help, especially a guy who can step in there and be 
the the top dog, so to speak. Um, you know, think right off the bat, teams di- even like locale nearby. You know, Houston Texans are going to look to revamp that whole offense. Uh, again, we just joked about Seattle maybe being a team that's looking to add a a stud at running back, and and Gordon has his moments when he fills in that role very admirably. Eagles looking for running back. Um, I know back in the day they were interested in trying to draft Gordon, but couldn't get up that high to get him. Overall, I think both players next year you'll probably see. I think Williams will be fine with Denver. It's Gordon again. We just talked about Corderell Patterson. He'll be on the move probably. So then where does he go? Uh, Who does he play with? Uh, Is he the head guy in the backfield or is he part of a two to three way committee and and even splits? Either way, if he's still putting up the same production, you want to pick him up uh, probably in one of the first couple of rounds if he's around because he's got top 15 plus running back potential. Uh, at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it, that, like you said, the the Broncos played their hand perfectly here. I think that they drafted Gordon's replacement a year mm-hmm. early. If Javante Williams comes into the season, they hand him the ball and he looks like he's you know lost. He's he's you know deer in headlights type of thing. I think that you know obviously they're they're moving back to Gordon at least early in the season. I think. By about the halfway mark of the season, you know who you are as a team. You know if you've got a shot to make the playoffs, which the Broncos did. Um, and I think that if Javante Williams had, you know, started the season slow, you know, not shown that he could could you know really help the team win games, they probably would have leaned on Gordon a little bit more. But now that they know that Williams is the guy that they drafted him to be, I think they can comfortably move on from Gordon. And I don't think Gordon would want to sign a, a one or two year deal at this point at at age twenty nine as a running back. It's probably Gordon's last opportunity to really get, uh, you know, a multi-year, fairly decent-sized deal done, and I don't think he would waste that on on a single year. Now, if the Broncos decided that they wanted to, you know, franchise tag him or something like that for a year, you know, that's a possibility, I guess. But I don't think that he would want to sign long-term with them, particularly knowing that Williams is going to be eaten into his his workload and I, I don't i just don't see that the broncos wanting to offer him a, a multi-year deal at this point when you have javante williams uh locked up until i think 2025 at this point so yeah 2025 is when he becomes a free agent so i, I don't see the the broncos resigning him so again gordon's going to be one of those guys i'm going to be paying attention to pretty closely as far as destinations that he may end up in the 2022 season and i think that you know, like you said, if he ends up in a good situation, he's he sort of reminds me of uh, a little bit older James Conner, still very skilled, still very able to, you know, get things done on the football field. It's just a matter of, you know, does he end up in, like you said, Houston at that point, you know, not probably going to be super high on the Texans offense coming into next year. Maybe that changes depending that on Davis Mills, man. And, Lovey yeah. Smith just got yeah. named coach. Got Brandon Cooks. Oh, come on, that's a that's a barn burning team. You got, you got Rex <laughs> in the flex. He'll be backing them up on, on third down and mop up duty. Um, yeah, they're, they'll be they'll be they go back to being a twelve and four division winner and then bounce in the first round of the playoffs. They'll be fine. <laughs> CJ Yates will come back just for that game. You know, it'd be good. All right, so let's move on to our next running back. Big whiff on this one uh, on both of our parts, but especially for me. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he finishes the overall running back 30, running back 34 on a points per game basis. And his average draft position was the 110. I think anybody who took 
that shot on Barkley was obviously disappointed this year. We all assumed he'd have a slow start coming back off the ACL injury, but I don't think anyone was prepared for another, you know, freak injury to force him to miss basically five more games. And by the time Barkley got back from the ankle injury in week 11, the Giants were basically out of playoff contention and Barkley was sharing time with Devontae Booker in like a 65-35 split. It might have actually even been closer to 50-50 by the end of the year. Barkley's just going to be tough to rank next year because I still believe that he's super talented, but the Giants offense is 100% holding his production back this year. Um, I don't necessarily know, again, moving forward, if that's going to be the case. I, I did just hear some rumors. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast that the Giants are possibly looking at, at trading him, moving on from, from Barkley, and not necessarily because he's not a good player, but because you know he's got a huge contract. And I think Brian Dable coming in and wanting to tear things down and start from the ground up like they did in Buffalo. I think it's just a, a Barclays could, may potentially be a, a casualty of, of a rebuild in that situation. So um, again, I would be very interested in, in seeing where he goes, because like I said, I do still think he's very, very talented. I still think he's one of the best uh, running backs in the league as far as his, his just overall natural ability. You know, it was really tough for him this year on a bad team coming back from an injury and then suffering another injury. It's, it, it wasn't a good year for him. And, and I feel bad for having him ranked as high as I did. I had him at the running back six. You were, you were a lot lower on him at 15, but even that low, I mean, we still both missed the mark by, by quite a, a good deal there. So he's one of those guys that, again, depending on if he stays with the giants uh, or if he goes, if he gets traded to another team, it, you know, it's going to depend on where he is and, and what his, expected role is moving forward. Yeah, I definitely felt, and I do remember even back when we, we did our rankings at the beginning of the year where, you know, you still had him pegged for a pretty good spot, but, you know, definitely not that top one to see what he still got uh, coming off of, you know, injury and, and whatnot. Now, at the same time, I felt like he was going to lose the step, but like you and I both, you know, agreed that we still felt he was a top 20 running back to see another nagging injury, you know, with the ankle. And, and like you said, it was kind of like a freak play, so to speak, that robbed him of another portion of the season. He's in the final year of his deal. He's going to make, uh, if they keep him, he's going to make $7 million and some change. Now, if they trade him, uh, nothing goes against the cap. They save that entire amount. So the rumblings that you're saying, you know, that we talked about that you heard, uh, I think do carry some weight. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised because of the Giants themselves just as a whole looking to, you know, maybe make a move uh, and get rid of them. They already own the fifth pick in the draft and they do have uh, they have a second one, I think. If I'm if yeah, I'm they do not, have two first round picks. Two first rounders, yeah. Well, it's, I don't it remember where the second one is, but I do remember them having two first round picks. Yeah, it was with a it was a trade with somebody. So yeah, I think and they're both I think because it's them and the Jets as far as like the top ten and all that crap goes. But being able to move him, possibly even with one of the picks uh, to get themselves some. Yeah, they have the fifth and they have the seventh from Chicago. So. You know, that's two picks in the top seven. And you can dangle somebody like him around maybe to get 
moved up to, uh, hey, let's say they trade Barkley in the seventh to, again, a Houston who's in the top three or, or even to the Jets who would be the team to buy, to buy in on that. Uh, the Jets also own the fourth and the tenth pick, so they would still be in the top ten and, you know, moving picks around and players. So, yeah, I think you could definitely see him on the move, especially knowing that you, you have a player who is quite functional in Devonta Booker and that the Giants could easily, let alone first round, possibly even make a move. Uh, draft a lineman, obviously, they'll probably look to strengthen that up. Uh, you figure Brian Dable is going to try to get Daniel Jones Pretty much, I'm sure he sees not everything, but parts of what he has in Josh Allen, what, what he had in Buffalo with a mobile quarterback with a little bit of an arm. Um, I, I feel like Daniel Jones, it, he was doing okay this year. I mean, in fantasy, uh, you know, for us, for our purposes. And, and then the injuries just sidelined him, and then that was it. His mobility gives him that optional optionality, so to speak, as the quarterback right off the bat. But Barkley if he's not going to be able to play or if he's going to be suddenly part of a timeshare in New York, you're going to cut $7 million and move on from him. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I think he could be a guy on the move uh, to acquire assets uh, and to, again, save that much as far as the salary cap goes, because I'm sure the giants aren't sitting, probably aren't sitting too pretty, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, because you're going to have to sign guys. Uh, just taking a quick peek here at the salary cap and the giants are near the bottom. Yeah. They're actually down 10 million. They're minus 10 million. Uh, so they're in the bottom, bottom five. Uh, obviously the saints we know are, are a dumpster fire. Even Sean Payton left them high and dry. So I, I, yeah, I could see if they cut, if they get rid of him with a trade that right off the bat brings them down big time. So yeah, I would say look to see Saquon Barkley on the move. I'll, I'll put that on my big board going into 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think they could get something for him. I think he's, like I said, he's still young enough. He's still talented enough to where a, a team who is, you know, potentially contending for a playoff Super Bowl, what have you, I think that is in need of a running back would definitely be willing to give up you know, whatever it is to, to take on uh, Barkley's salary. Yeah. Send him down to Jerry's world down there in, uh, in <laughs> Texas. He'll, he'll yeah, take okay. running backs. He likes them. Him and Zeke, that'd be a nice package. All right. So the next running back we're going to talk about is AJ Dillon. Uh, he was running back 23 overall. Points per game was a running back 37. Was drafted at the 8-11. I had him ranked at 44. You had him ranked at 35, which was almost exactly where he finished uh, on a points per game basis. Yes. <laughs> so I'll let you go first since you since you hit this one pretty much on the You head. know what? Watching him down the stretch of the 2020 season, where I believe Aaron Jones is a little banged up. He had a nice, I think it was a Sunday night game. I can't remember who it was against. And he was kind of thrust into, thrust into it. Uh, as far as like being the lead back and he took to it just fine. I mean, obviously everybody made a big deal about his size uh, and, and his, you know, his abilities coming out of Boston college. They thought maybe the top end speed wasn't there, but knowing that he's got just, he just kind of has that bit of pop that you, you want to see in, in a running back. And, and, you know, with Aaron Jones, again, it's definitely a, a little bit lightning and thunder. He did, uh, I mean, on the season, he outcarried him. He got more yards, more touchdowns, did play in every game. Jones did miss two. Uh, and those were the only two that Dylan started. 
Jones, everybody's been on the free Aaron Jones trade for, for years. And it's only recently where he's kind of gotten a, a little bit more, more of that happening. I, I just, I just felt like he had a shot to move forward in that, in that order. Because again, if, if Jones isn't going to get it, he's going to be the guy just picking up all the pieces. If Jones is banged up. And, and again, like I said, we saw him do that. So, I mean, for the, you know, for the quad father to uh, to take over that running back list and, and kind of move on. Yeah, it was, it was a Tennessee game in 2020, 21 carries, 124 yards. I remember, yeah, he went he went nuts. Well, one catch for five yards, too. But, yeah, I'm moving forward I, again. And Aaron Jones is a guy, if we take a look on his level, like obviously there's a lot going on with, with Green Bay as a whole. Uh, you know, whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to stay there, Devontae Adams, these are all things that are going to factor in overall to that. And they still have Jones under contract till 2025. He's $8 million cap hit next year. Could make some moves if they were to. Oh, so if they were to trade per se or, or release, especially after June 1st, uh, they probably end up with a cap savings in, in 2023 that would help them. They'd have to eat a little bit. In 22, but he still doesn't make a ton of money. It'd be a nine nine million dollar cap hit. So they're uh, they're at a spot there where they they could pick their poison, almost like Gordon and, and Williams. I think if you moved forward and had AJ Dillon as your lead running back, I think they'd be just fine. They probably like to have both of them for right now and and still see how it plays out for injury reasons and other. Um, but I, I like AJ Dillon moving forward. I think he's going to be the, the stronger running back out there too. Yeah, I think for me ranking him. As low as I did, I had him at 44 overall was just more of a confidence in Aaron Jones than a, a non-confidence in A.J. Dillon. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the guy, you know, in college, he had, a, he had a great college career. He looked incredible in the games that he did get to play, you know, his rookie season. So I guess I just thought that I guess maybe what I should have realized a little bit more is that, you know, the Packers coaching staff, they they employed a two running back um, set. Now, obviously when Jamal Williams was there, he didn't get as many carries as Aaron Jones, but I guess I should have sort of realized that Dylan was going to fit that Jamal Williams role a little bit better and take over a little bit more carries than he did. Now, again, Aaron Jones, like you said, did miss two games, which Dylan exploited and, and had big games in both of those, in both of those weeks, fantasy wise. So I think that, Dylan obviously proved that, you know, when given the ball, whatever it was in those two games, 20 plus times, I think in in both of those games, he was able to produce for the team. The Packers are another one of these teams that has got a lot of cap space, a lot of room that they got to make. I believe they're, they're going to be coming into the season around $50 million over the cap. So is it possible that a guy like Aaron Jones, you know, maybe gets traded and, uh, Dylan becomes the lead back. Yeah, I guess that's possible. But again, you know, luckily we don't have to make our rankings today and stick to them, you know, throughout the off season. I think, you know, as more news comes out throughout the, the off season and free agency and the draft and, you know, everything that happens, you know, between now and, and training camp, I think that for me, I think I'm going to have Aaron Jones ranked lower than I did this year. I'm going to have AJ Dillon ranked higher just because I think that the you know the Packers are going to continue to utilize both of these guys um, as long as they're both healthy, and then obviously you know that the Aaron Rodgers situation affects 
the running back position as well. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, if Devontae Adams leaves, this offense could look completely different next year than it does this year. And if that's the case, you know, do they become more run heavy and, and do the running backs become, you know, maybe a little bit more dependent on in the offense? Sure. Do they drop as far as, you know, total offense, total touchdown scored and, and become, you know, not a great offense because they, they have Jordan Love at quarterback. Yeah, sure. That's possible as well. So I think in the off season, what happens with the Packers, how they handle their, their cap space and, or lack of cap space, I guess I should say, and how they handle the Aaron Rodgers situation is going to play a big part in uh, how I rank Dylan and Jones moving forward. It's just a matter of, you know, figuring out what, you know, what the Packers are going to look like um, coming into next season. All right. The last running back that we're going to talk about is Tony Pollard. Pollard finished the season as the running back 28 overall, running back 39 points per game. He was drafted at the 1106. I had him ranked at running back 49. You again were right on the money with him at running back 38. So um, you uh, you got honors. You you hit the last one. <laughs> All right, shotgun. Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we kind of saw a little bit of it creeping up in, uh, again, in 2020 with, with a lot of crazy things that were that were going on. I mean, just overall in, in the NFL with COVID and testing and, and whatnot. But I think we've seen over the past like couple of years where not only is Tony Pollard becoming more involved in that offense on a... I guess you want to call it a yearly basis. I mean, his first season, his rookie year, you know, he got some usage, but it was obviously Zeke's backfield. But 2020, you, you saw him become more of the change of pace guy. He he definitely got involved, uh, scored four touchdowns. And then again, this past season, he really didn't do that bad. I mean, he averaged five and a half yards a carry uh, and about f- close to 50 yards a game. So on roughly eight carries a game. I mean, he, he's a home run kind of hitter for a team with, with an aging running back with a, with a just a Mount Everest of contracts that they have a shot to get out. Like they're, they're eating it this year with Zeke because like the hits would just be like ridiculous. I mean, they could pull it off with a trade, but after this, they have a potential out with like the four year extension for 50 million that kicks in in 2023 so you could see one more year of it. But I think that Pollard moving forward is going to be their guy. Now, he's in the last year of his rookie deal. So it'll be interesting to see how well Cowboys, who are, again, the bottom third, the third worst in cap room, can make things happen. If they turn around and, and just dump Zeke and or make the trade to try to wiggle out of some of that contract stuff, uh, again, then they'll probably still look to get a running back. You could see him. Again, look to sign one of these other people. We joked about Saquon or, or even draft somebody to, to strengthen that backfield. But overall, it's Dak Prescott. It's the wide receiving core. Uh, Dalton Schultz came out of nowhere to become you know fantasy relevant. Um, but Tony Pollard is one of those guys that does wonders for that team. And, and where you've seen Ezekiel Elliott long in the tooth, injured, maybe he gets healthy, maybe things change a little bit, but he's gotten a lot of usage so far in his career. So, and it's only been six years, but running backs don't last long. 
Uh, but a guy who's a little more change of pace isn't so much a between the tackle guy or the guy that hits that edge and takes off. And it, and it looks like that's exactly what he does uh, with the majority of his carries when you're when you're averaging what you're averaging and putting up numbers you are. So I like Tony Pollard. Uh, I won't ever trade. I won't ever draft him in any of my leagues, but uh, I, I do like him as a player. I think he's definitely, to say not only fantasy relevant, but I mean, he's, he's probably going to be a solid flex player for you. Uh, moving on throughout the season. So he should be high up on your boards. He's one of those guys you want to take. And if Zeke goes out, then he's obviously uh, the only game in town. Yeah, I think that unfortunately for fantasy, I guess, uh, I was going to say for the Cowboys, but I don't ever feel unfortunate for the Cowboys. Um, Zeke is signed until 2027. He's got that huge deal um, that you mentioned. Pollard will be a free agent after next season. So I think this might be Tony Pollard's last season in Dallas. I can't see. I, I mean, he's he's not going to demand a, a huge deal because I don't think that he's going to have the production to back demanding a lot of money because he's just not going to get the kind of usage next season. He's going to get basically the same usage next season that he got this season. I think the Cowboys are, are they kind of realize that they're stuck with Zeke, at least, like you said, at least through this next season before they can really start to do anything with his, his contract that would save them any real cap money. I think Pollard is going to finish next year, you know, somewhere in the same range that he finished this year, uh, unless, you know, of course, Elliot gets injured, in which case I think Pollard would be. He's one of those guys like like Alexander Madison, who if you draft Zeke, you know, maybe you want to throw Pollard in as a as a handcuff somewhere in the draft, just due to the fact that I think if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, Pollard definitely has the skill set to be top 10 running back on a week-to-week basis in fantasy football. So uh, you know, he's obviously shown that he's got that skill set with the great production that he's had with with the limited touches that he's had. So I think next season, uh, again, he's going to probably be ranked somewhere in the mid thirties, you know, just due to the fact that the Cowboys are stuck with Zeke. It it just, it's, it's the, the fact of the contract. Unfortunately, Jerry Jones is not one of these guys like you see with in San Francisco where Shanahan will just play the best player. He doesn't give a crap how much money anybody's making. And I, I think as a good coach that that should kind of be the way that it goes. But we, we both know that, Jerry Jones has too much say in every little thing that goes on in Dallas. And I think that because he paid Zeke all this money, he's going to want to see Zeke on the field. And unfortunately for Tony Pollard, I think that limits his potential for next season. But at this point, you know, maybe that's not a bad thing because if Tony Pollard does move on after next year, maybe he lands in a spot where he can actually produce uh, at a level that is more equivalent to his skill set. Because I think being, playing second fiddle to Zeke is holding him back from his potential in the NFL. So I hope for his sake that he does end up moving on and and getting a shot to be at least the bigger end of that running back split somewhere else. I think if Dallas moves on from anyone this year, anyway, I think it would be Amari Cooper. Personally, I, I think, like I said, I think the way Zeke's contract is structured, I think they're stuck with him. Uh, Amari Cooper, if if traded or released this year, would actually provide them with uh, $16 million in salary cap savings. And his contract is actually bigger than Zeke's uh, overall. So it would actually save them not just moving forward, you know, not just this year or, or next year, I should say, but moving forward for the remaining three years of his contract, it would save them another 
$38 million against the salary cap. So I think if anybody gets traded or, or you know, whatever, it's probably going to be Amari Cooper. All right. Well, that's it on the running backs that we whiffed on uh, for the most part. There was a few more, you know, further down the list, but probably guys that most of us didn't have on our teams or really care too much about in the first place. So we're not going to, we're not going to go any deeper than that. What we do want to get into is our Super Bowl talk our Super Bowl predictions. And like Scott said earlier, uh, you know, if you, if you'd like to use some of this information for entertainment purposes only, we encourage you to, uh, to stay tuned and, and, you know, listen to us talk about this incredible, what I think is going to be an incredible Super Bowl. I mean, these playoffs have been just outstanding for the last few weeks. And, I, I feel like the Super Bowl is is going to be one of the more talked about, more remembered Super Bowls in in history, possibly. Golf rules, you ended up on the uh, having the honors moving forward, so we'll go ahead and, and keep that going. We'll let you give your Super Bowl picks first. Oh, cool. Get, yeah, go with the hot hand, right? Yeah, um, exactly. We just had, uh, I mean, a lunar Chinese New Year. Um, Pat, I don't know. Were you paying attention to that at all? Happy New Year! Sorry, I no, didn't. Well, yeah, I obviously. didn't text you. I feel bad now. No, it's it's understandable. We have, uh, life gets busy and crazy things happen. But you did. Uh, were you aware of what year it is? No, I do not know. I'm sorry. I thought it was 2022, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, well, again, on their on their level, it's it's a different. You know, they they go by you know different years, but but they also go by animals, which I always found to be you know kind of interesting. It's the year. <laughs> Of the tiger. That's right, folks. Uh, I am. Why did the Rocky theme song just play in my head? Uh, not the eye of the tiger. <laughs> oh, oh. The year of the tiger. No, it's it's um it's legit. I don't not I don't dislike the Rams at all. And and I know you're gonna pull out every you know pass rush win rate against that O line and blah 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 blah. And you pull whatever you need to pull out of wherever uh, to make that happen. Uh, as soon as that game went to where it was, I was I, I pushed all in with, with uh, my hopes and dreams, so to speak, uh, on a on a Bengals money line plus one sixty six, and it still sits there. Currently, the Rams Bengals matchup is uh, Rams are giving four points. They are the favorite. The over under is forty eight and a half on FanDuel. If you can, for entertainment purposes only, I just. I don't know. I, I just think that again, Cincinnati is playing with house money. They have nothing. They obviously have the Super Bowl to lose, but they have nothing to lose. They have they have some years ahead of them with that core: Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. Quietly, they have a decent defense. Not the greatest, not the worst, but a decent defense. Some playmakers. Their offensive line is not horrible. But again, they are built more for the run than the pass, and it's been a it's been a crazy year in the NFL overall. The Rams are built to win now. Every year they've been giving up draft picks to win now. So in 2018, they uh, Gurley was hurt. They limped to the barn, got to the Super Bowl, and all they really needed to do was score a touchdown, but they couldn't do it. And they've languished for the last year or two and, and tried to right the ship. Uh, coming into this offseason, they made one of the biggest. Deals that you've seen for a quarterback in a while, moving Jarek off to Detroit, bringing on Matthew Stafford. Uh, and again, just through the season, they they were able to acquire 
uh, via, you know, well, the waiver wire. Uh, it's nice when you can go digging and pull uh, Odell Beckham Jr. out and, and save him from from Baker Mayfield and Cleveland. Uh, they made a move to get Von Miller to add just another veteran presence. Uh, although you don't need a lot when you got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the gang back there too. Their special teams are solid. I mean, the Rams overall are the better football team. I, w- I wouldn't be stunned. Like, I can't believe the Rams won the Super Bowl. They are built to win this now and possibly next year, uh, depending on who can hang out for, for just a little bit longer with them. But I, I'm, I, I'm just, there's something about the Cincinnati team. It's again, it's the year of the tiger. You see what they're doing week in and week out in the playoffs, you know, should have lost to Tennessee. If Ryan Tannehill knew to throw to his own receivers, uh, the week before that, should have lost them, probably should have, would have, could have lost to the Raiders. Uh, just barely outplayed them, and the referees were a, a bit of a big help in certain aspects in that game. Uh, and again, Derek Carr drove right down the field, uh, could have easily thrown a touchdown pass, did not throw an interception, that game over. Then you go to Kansas City, and they're getting their butts kicked, and it's halftime. And, uh, you know, at halftime, I think they were plus 650 on the money line to win at, at halftime. And they just came out and, I mean, Pat, you and I both have seen for years that Andy Reid, big games, not always a great setup. Uh, he does have the ability to choke games away, uh, overemphasize the prevent defenses and, and all that stuff that, that we, we came to love slash hate when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think some of that factored in. You saw Pat Mahomes just didn't look like Pat Mahomes. He looked like Jackson Mahomes the way he was playing and dancing around and you saw like they had a little bit of a blueprint to beat them at Stafford. This is as far as he's ever gotten in the playoffs. And this is something he's waited his whole career for. And I've always loved Matt Stafford. I always think this is what he deserves. This is what he needs. I will be perfectly happy if the LA Rams win the Super Bowl. but my pick is the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl outright. Obviously Uh, you're going to see Joe Burrow more than likely be that MVP. Uh, if you're looking for a solid propositional wager, uh, I do like Odell Beckham Jr. to catch a touchdown in the game. Right now, he's plus 125. Uh, to me, that's almost like a stone-cold mortal lock. The over-under of 48 and a half, uh, I see like a, I see a decent game. I, I don't see a blowout. I'd say, I'll say 28-24 Cincinnati Bengals raising the Lombardi for the first time in their history. And the Rams will have to regroup for 2022. Listen, the Bengals have been the surprise of the NFL playoffs to me. I mean, I thought they would be good this year coming in with Burrow returning from that injury, but a Super Bowl berth far exceeded any expectations that I had for them. The Rams, however, were my preseason pick to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. And apparently that was a pretty good pick. Um, a lot of other NFL slash fantasy analysts had the Rams going to the Super Bowl too. So I'm not going to act like I was, you know, some kind of uh, soothsayer or anything like that. It, it was, they weren't you can't like even the, say soothsayer. <laughs> you know, it's not like they weren't the favorite. As soon as they made that trade for, for Stafford, they became the second favorite in the NFC to make the Super Bowl behind the Bucks, obviously. So since then, they've added more pieces. You talked about it a little bit. Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. To me, that was 
Sean McVay and the Rams organization pushing in the rest of their chips in this in this instance and saying this is this is our year. We know it. We're going for it. And I just I don't want to sound corny or you know I, I'm not a type the type of person who believes in you know destiny or anything like that. But I just feel like this is the Rams year. Like they've done all of this to win a Super Bowl, and I just feel like. I just feel like it's going to happen. I, I don't know how to explain it. Looking at the numbers, the Rams have a better defense, like you said. Offensively, both teams are are pretty solid. So I don't really see an advantage uh, on the offensive side of the ball. But but defensively, the, the Rams have been better all year defensively. Now, the Bengals have played some really good quarters and halves of defensive football in these playoffs, You know, holding the, the Kansas City Chiefs to three points in the second half. Uh, and that uh, AFC championship game was something that you hadn't seen done, honestly, since since last Super Bowl when the Bucks held them to nine for the entire game. So it's it, th- there's definitely the potential for the Bengals to step up, play incredible and win this game. And like you said, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bengals win. But my pick is going to be for the Rams, I think, as long as they don't beat themselves with you know, bad penalties or turnovers or, you know, going forward on fourth down and in, in stupid situations, or, you know, something like that, where, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a beat yourself situation. I feel like the Rams are just more talented and I think that they're going to end up winning this game. So I'm going to take the Rams in a very similar score to, to what you predicted. I'm going to take the Rams 27 to 24. I do like the Bengals on the money line. I mean, excuse me on the, um, with the, points. with the points, because I do think it's going to be a close game. May not I'm calling 27-24. I don't necessarily know that obviously that's going to be the score, but I do think that it it is going to be a close game. The Bengals have, you know, have kept it close in every game that they've been in. I mean, even that Raiders game, uh, even though they won it by six, it was still it was still a, a close game pretty much throughout. And um I think that they're they're you know they're obviously talented enough to play with the with the Rams. So I think it's going to be a, a pretty close one. Yeah. Oh, and I'm also taking the over, obviously, with that. That's a 51-point yeah. score, so I, the 48-and-a-half, I'll take the over. Yeah, yeah, I think that with the offenses, I mean, you could be a little sluggish in the first half, you know, feeling each other out. But even if you're looking at a 10-3 halftime, it's not going to take too long to, I think, hit that, hit the gas and, and see those two teams start to put up some points and, and let loose in the second half. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I see – two quarterbacks who are very efficient, who've been very good all year long and who have incredible weapons on the outside, including, you know, weapons on the inside, as far as, you know, running backs, catching the ball out of the backfield. Joe Mixon is obviously skilled enough to do that. And uh, Cam, Cam Akers and Sony Michelle have proven that they're perfectly capable of taking a screen pass, you know, 40 yards, like, like we saw in, uh, with with Cam Akers in the uh, NFC Championship game, so I think that with the with the offensive weapons that both teams have, I do I do think that twenty seven twenty four may be even conservative as far as a game score goes. Mm-hmm. I think it could very very potentially be you know a a sixty plus point you know it could be a, a thirty one you know thirty type of game something like that. It's it's very possible that that the scores get up there with the the level of talent that both of these teams have on offense. I definitely the over is the bet to to me. I mean, if if we're talking where to put your money, 
that's that's a more guarantee to me personally. I, I think that that's going to be a fairly high scoring game and to pick one team over the other. Yeah. I love Cincinnati with the points because I do think they could win the game, but the over to me is, is the lock for me. I just, I feel like 48 and a half was, was a very, uh, a very low over under for, uh, for a game like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Considering like you said, it, it could, it could get out of hand quick. You could see both teams in the thirties. If they really start to let loose, obviously the Rams, you know, defensively look to have a little bit more of a, a pedigree with all the stars in that fold. But you saw quickly where Tampa Bay was able to gather some points and, and turn that game around. And, and again, they had them on the ropes uh, and they they forgot to cover Cooper Cup, you know, uh, type of thing. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of the way things played out throughout the playoffs went sideways, I think, for for a lot of the. Uh, the chalk, uh, so to speak. I mean, the, the only thing I really remember is, you know, Buffalo and, and New England where that game kind of just was, that was over before it started to that level. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a great game. I, I mean, again, you, you got a monster halftime show to enjoy, a uh, little little 90s hip hop uh, throwback that uh, is right in our wheelhouse, definitely. And then, Yeah, um, even the halftime show is going to be off the chain. Yeah. yeah as they say. <laughs> it's official it's, it's officially off it's it's loose got to get it before it gets away um well I, I guess that just about does it right uh we're gonna look to regroup here on the nine round and uh maybe put yeah we're taking a in. we're taking a pro bowl week break here we're uh <laughs> well it's gonna be a little bit more than a week but uh yeah we're not gonna be recording for uh, probably not until March. We're gonna. This is gonna be our last podcast for a little while. So if you are listening to this and you want to continue, you know, to listen to the podcast, please make sure that you follow and uh, you know subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. We you will get a notification when we put out a new episode, which will probably be sometime in March. Right? We're looking to do uh, yeah. a little March mock draft madness, maybe something somewhere along those lines, maybe have a, a guest on the podcast as well. We'll, we'll see what happens, but we, we've got some plans in the future, but with this being the last official week of the, the football season, we are going to take a little bit of a break and regroup and, and uh, you know, we still want to make sure that we're, we're putting out some content for people who are listening. We want to make sure that we keep you guys engaged and, and uh, you know, following the show and interested and all that good stuff. Like we are, you got anything else for the good of the cause? Well, again, uh, enjoy the game. Enjoy the big game. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to definitely we, we had a great first year sharing all our knowledge with everybody out there. We appreciate everybody who listens. Uh, yeah, please continue. Anytime you see something come up to uh, like subscribe, uh, you know, have that have us in your wheelhouse. We will hope to get you to another Week to week fantasy football championship. Uh, we're going to hit the ground running in March to start to you know regroup. Uh, you know, put 2021 behind us a little bit. We just reviewed it and get 2022 mocked up and ready to go. Uh, you know, obviously in March uh, you start to see some free agent moves, some coaching changes are also starting to to fall into place. I uh, just saw the New Orleans Saints just had Dennis Allen, their defensive coordinator, was named their head coach. Again, seeing how a lot of these cuts and free agent movements go, trades possibly happening. Uh, so there's going to be a lot going on, and and we'll try to keep you up to date and see how that maybe makes uh, some things fantasy relevant and and just keep you going. Uh, it's going to be – it's already February, folks. Before you know it, it's going to be 
June and, and the first leagues will will start their drafting and we'll be ready for you here here at the Nine Rats. So we do appreciate it. We love everybody out there and, and thanks for listening. Peace out. Peace.